I, I joked with Mike that that when we started our podcast, it was like a long con for me to talk about, to to get him to watch the Apple. Happy New Year and welcome to List Envy. My name is Mark Stedman and this is the podcast in which every week I speak to a guest and together we build a top five list on a topic that they choose. Now, if you like yourself a schlocky film, uh, perhaps it's it's so bad it's good. You know, you know the kind of thing we're talking about. Um, uh, usually usually a Chuck Norris number uh, and, and uh, that, that does get discussed uh, this week. Uh, then I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Uh, it's the kind of thing... We've all got that friend who's like who knows all the schlock films or whatever, um, and and they've got all the opinions about you know this this film or that film. But I tell you what, there's something about this studio, um, Canon Films, which um, after this episode, you'll have a nice knowledge that you can go to that friend and go, "Wow, have you seen this? Well, it's interesting that you say that because actually this is the film that spawned this film." And like you'll you'll get a little bit of knowledge from this, uh, and that is all courtesy of my guest this week, who is. Um, sort of the second in a, in a double parter, if you like. Uh, so our previous episode was with Mike McComb, who is uh, the co-host of the Euro What podcast. Uh, and this is Ben Smith, who is uh, the, the other co-host of the self-same podcast. He's also a, a movie fan, uh, a Mystery Science Theatre 3000 fan. If these are things that you think, oh, yes, I like those things, then stick around. It's uh, a really, really good episode. I'm very sad that I didn't actually get to watch the films that we talked about um, because they're quite hard to get hold of. But if this is in your wheelhouse, house then seek these films out because um just from the trailers and the descriptions alone they are very interesting <laughs> so uh let's get straight into it i started by asking ben just what is canon films okay so when i think of canon films i think of primarily to sort of from about 1980 until roughly 1990 uh golem and globus sort of came in as producers joined in with Canon Films and just started cranking out movies at a crazy rate. Uh, I, I always describe them to friends as like, they are, are they good movies? No. Are they entertaining movies? Yes. <laughs> that answers my next question, so that's good. Um, yeah, so it's... it's and, and it's... Th- there is that sort of grindhouse element, I think, and, and you see it a lot in the trailers. Um, there's that kind of aesthetic in the in in a lot of the trailers with the you know the, like in the way that we, they make trailers in the way that we we just don't anymore. No, uh, that has that sort of everything is so intense and so you won't believe this thing that is happening. Well, absolutely, they would they would they would grab like what's going on in the zeitgeist. So, oh hey, everybody really likes ninja movies. We're gonna we're gonna pump out five of those. Everybody really likes breakdancing. Let's make three movies about that. It's 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 a fascinating world, and I. I I really wonder because I, I found I must confess I found these very very hard to get hold of um, in in the time that we had and within my budget um, because the, the, certainly the ones I wanted to to find were not streaming and um, to to be able to or even downloadable like uh, certainly in the UK anyway. Um, and and the only way I could really find them was by picking up um, DVDs or Blu-rays, which uh, I would have struggled to to watch all of them in the time that that we had. And and also, they're um, some of them are uh, are not cheap. Oh yeah, like that that is the thing is that I well, and especially when DVD became a format, like there was this sort of ideal of oh man, we can put everything on DVD now, and that's sort of faded. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of but, and like for some of these, because again, are these great movies? No, but like they they are. They're very good, cheesy fun. Yeah, absolutely. How did you get introduced to them? 
Um, so I am Minnesotan by birth, and in Minnesota we have a little program called Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. Ah, yes. Which, which, uh, proud export of my home state, along with Prince. Uh, so, uh, I just grew up watching Mystery Science Theater and loving watching terrible movies and learning that you can just make fun of movies like that. <laughs> and then as, you know, just sort of a, a teen on the internet, like there are websites that just cover all of the movies that Mystery Science Theater didn't get to, didn't get to cover. And that's when you find canon films because you have things like The Apple, you have things like Ninja 3, The Possession. Mm-hmm. You have all these movies that are just over the top in so many ways and just throwing everything at the wall, hoping that something will stick. I suspect our lists are going to be quite quite different, so I'm really interested to to, to get going. So why don't, why don't we start? Um, why don't you give me what your uh, absolute number one pick is? And I have a feeling I probably already know. <laughs> oh, yeah, you probably have already heard it. Uh, it's <laughs> actually part of the reason I do a Eurovision podcast. Uh, it is this movie from 1980 called The Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is kind of early in the, the Golden Globus period. It's right in 1980, but like I love it. It It is... It is just so over the top, and there is such a weird maximalist aesthetic that I really respond to. <laughs> like, I have watched this movie far too many times. Uh, we, we were talking about uh, prices of DVDs. I got this off of Amazon for like 99 cents used in college. I've certainly gotten my money's worth at this point. But like, it's doing so many of the things that they would continue to do. Like, it essentially just sets the template for what they do because it is, it's riffing on like existing stuff. Like, it's clearly trying to be the next Tommy. Right. Uh, it's got all sorts of just ridiculous imagery going on, and none of it makes sense. Just like, so whenever they run out of plot, they just sort of throw in some ham-fisted biblical allegory and call it done. Sure. Uh, it, and it feels like it's a movie being made for Americans by people who don't actually understand American culture. Ah. Okay, so it's, it's sort of an, an alien's view of this is what American people like. Yes. Well, yeah, this is, this is, well, there's like a scene towards the end where he's just like, where there's just like a hippie commune. And it's like, the people who made this movie have ne- clearly never interacted with any hippies ever. There's a film I, I, I really want to ask you about, actually, which is not a canon film, but it feels so adjacent to this. But while I'm looking that up, um, why don't you give us a, uh, a quick uh, synopsis? Okay, so the synopsis is that it is, you know, this was this movie is made in 1980. Uh, it's set off in the far-off future of 1994, where disco has not died and Eurovision has gone global. <laughs> uh, there, yeah, uh, there is, uh, there is kind of the, the good guys are this folk duo from Canada mm. with just this, yeah, with just this, this ballad, which is just, which is just nostalgia. Uh, that we, we don't do love songs anymore. But anyways, they lose to the BIM song and it's never explained what BIM is. <laughs> Uh, but it, uh, it, it just kind of gets thrown everywhere and is branded on everything. Uh, but anyways, so they they lose the they lose Eurovision, but they go to the big after party, uh, and they get a record deal, or they are they're scheduled to get a record deal. But like the the guy from the duo just has a vision of hell and a vision of just biting the apple. Uh, flees his his female duet partner signs on and essentially becomes Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. Wow. Yeah, and and she becomes the new BIM star. He goes trying to rescue her. Uh they they both kind of escape from this. Uh go to this hippie commune at the end. And then like I always spoil the film for friends when I'm describing it to them because there's no way you can figure out how it's going to get to that end point, but like at the end of the movie, they're in the hippie commune. Uh they come back saying, "No, you have like years on your contract. We're going to need your we're going to need money back." Uh essentially God comes down from heaven in his gold Cadillac and takes all the hippies away to a new planet. Sure. I mean, it's Taylor's oldest time. Yes. Just just <laughs> that that old chestnut. Wow. Um that's I 
you've really made me want to watch this. I like, did not it, think it is, that that would happen. Yeah, it, it is delightful. Uh, there is one music number that is just like peak disco and contains probably like a single entendre as far as like <laughs> the the main part of the song because it's just not subtle at all. Oh man. Um, okay, so the the film I wanted to ask you about is um, 1981's Shock Treatment. Okay, so the follow up to Rocky Horror. Yes. Uh, I was I was told about this and uh, encouraged to watch it by a couple of friends who know me to a certain degree. Um, and I was I was I'm I'm, I'm keen to get your thoughts on this. Um, just, it just it it popped into my head when you were talking about the apple. Okay, so I have not seen that one in ages, so my my recollection may be foggy, but it it feels like it has some of the same over the top stuff. Yeah. But I also had seen, I think I saw it like directly in succession with Rocky Horror for like the first or second time and just was like, this is such a weird follow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've got um, the, the the two sort of uh, main characters are, are still in it, but everybody else is different. And there's a, yeah, it's just, it's it's very strange. Uh, all right. Well, um, I'm going to, I'm going to give you my, my number one pick, uh, which is Life Force. Oh, okay. That one is on my list. Oh, lovely. Okay. So uh, this is a 1985 um, British uh, and American um, sci-fi horror. Um, three shape-shifting alien vampires uh, are picked up from um, the coma of a comet and make their way back to Earth, where they start drinking human's life force, which is apparently blue. Uh, meanwhile, an escape pod from the rocket that picked up... Um, that. Uh, uh, it arrives, um, but a zombie plague is now spreading through London. Uh, so the, uh, the that that's because of the two male vampires are now draining the life force from the living, um, creating them, make, making them zombies, uh, and they channel it back to the female, who then spits it up into the mothership. Um, the uh, the astronaut who who came back down to Earth from the uh, from the the shuttle follows the two remaining vampires into a cathedral, uh, and and obviously we're, we're going to get into spoilers here, um, and then um, and dispatches dispatches them and. Um, uh, and and do does himself in in the process um and uh, so yes that is um i uh, i i haven't seen any of these films but i've done as much research as i can on them and this was my top one for like yes i really think i need to see this uh yeah that one this one is one of the, is like in the era where where Canada was actually throwing money at things and trying to do that and trying to like gain some respectability yeah and like you have it's it's toby hooper like right after he did poltergeist and suddenly had massive acclaim and was like what do you want to do next is like yes i want to do this weird space vampire movie uh based on a book um which yeah i uh i'm um I, uh, yeah i'm quite interested there's a few of these but i think i i might actually watch oh yeah like that that is the thing is that if you that's that's the nice thing about canon movies is that at like their peak they were producing like 40 to 50 movies a year yeah it's ridiculous we are yeah we're, we're gonna talk about um well i know i'm gonna talk about it and i'm sure you will um one of the films that had a sequel in the same year which is bonkers mm-hmm. uh yeah oh, what a crazy studio um what's your number two uh, my number two, like my number two, is one. That, this is one that I haven't seen, but feels very emblematic of what they do. Mm. Uh, Breakin, yeah, and, and like more so than Breakin too, because like this is like very iconic canon. This is what they do, where there's like one of the producer's daughters sees people break dancing on Venice Beach, and like within ninety days, they're like, "Yeah, we have a script, we have a movie, go." <laughs> yeah, just very much like the Lifetime movie or the Law and Order SVU of its time of just like ripping things from the headlines and trying to figure out what to do with them as quickly as possible. And it is responsible for 
the most overused sequel name uh, in in history, uh, because of course everybody knows. Like nobody's seen Breaking, but everybody knows Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. Exactly. Um, do you want to give give us a, a quick a quick rundown of, of what happens uh, in Breaking? Uh, yeah, Breaking is Breaking apostrophe. We should we should yeah, Breaking apostrophe. Point. Yes, this yeah. is not Breaking. Apologies, I'm Midwestern. My English is very proper. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, with Breaking. Uh, Again, like it's just hey, break dancing is a thing. So you have what they do is they do they just they just like throw three or four tropes in a blender and call it done. Because you have the jazz dancer who's learning about who is learning about break dancing. You and then you just it's just an excuse for a lot of great break dancing sequences. And then there's and then just sort of the other like trope that always gets brought up and gets parodied in in media at this point is just sort of everybody coming together to save the community center essentially. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, it's. I was quite surprised at how. So, so there's some really good breakdancing bits, but a lot. There's a lot of it because I've seen a few scenes, and um, a lot of it is people watching breakdancing. There's less breakdancing than there is people watching breakdancing, apart from that bit at the end, which is all breakdancing. Uh, we and and you've got this sort of wonderful scene where they walk in. So the 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 story basically is that they um, they infiltrate a, a jazz dance competition and and they they go in dressed in all this sort of, like formal wear uh, and start ripping it off and dancing and you've got these really over-the-top stuffy judges who are like <laughs> I cannot stand exactly yeah um and and it's it's great just watching the jowls flap in in indignation <laughs> um yeah which might be my uh my, my um, band name um so yes i i've got that on my list because um i was unexpectedly charmed by it and i thought it's just such a sweet kind of we know that story like we all know the story like you said we, we're coming together to save the community center it's it's dodgeball it's it's everything yeah it's it's everything right now um all right my number two is house of the long shadows okay that one is not on my list at all and again just given the breadth of canon's uh output that's completely possible Absolutely. Uh, so this was number one on the uh, British Film Institute list of uh, basically canon films you've got to check out. I don't think it was. Uh, it was ordered chronologically, and I, I, I'm not sure if that's a coincidence or not, but this was 1983. And it's a comedy horror, a British comedy horror directed by uh, Pete Walker. And... Um, so the the it's, the story is uh, Kenneth McGee is a young writer who bets that he can write a Wuthering Heights style novel. Uh, so he holds up in a in a Welsh manor house where he meets the Lord of the Manor, uh, his daughter and two sons, played by Vincent Price and Peter Cushing. This whole film, like it, it's it's Price Cushing, uh, Christopher Lee, and uh, someone else, and it's like it's it's all of your horror. I'm like that's just like favorites. a who's who of like who you want in like this exact grade of of horror comedy. Exactly, and it's super camp, and um, yeah. Uh, the, so the, the the family, the house revealed they've imprisoned another of the of of their family members for forty years because he murdered a fourteen year old girl. Um, and uh, no, he was fourteen when he murdered her. Uh, and then we'll get into spoilers. Um, it turns out that the characters um all get picked off one by one by the killer, which is you know part of the course. Uh, but he turns out to be a character uh, that we'd already met, who was played by Christopher Lee. Uh, he's like a someone who'd come in to check out the properties he was going to buy it, and then it further transpires that the whole thing was a joke laid on by our hero's publisher, so um so that he could this this lad could write his book, uh, and so the film then finishes with him handing in the finished draft of the story. 
brilliant. <laughs> wow, wow, that is. I'm very on board. Yes, I, I'm totally on board. I'm totally gonna seek that out because earlier this year, uh, was watching In the Mouth of Madness, and that feels like a lot like that, where it's the the very meta book book writer gets more than he bargained for sort of a deal. And that one's like a John Carpenter from like the early 90s that's like riffing on Lovecraft in like 20 different ways. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, this this is like, I think it was the Sharknado of its day. Like it, it knew exactly what it was. Um, and it was it was big and bombastic and silly. Well, not bombastic, but big and mm-hmm. silly. And, and as I say, camp and like uh, it, it looks uh, the, the bits I've seen just it looks like a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's on my list. Um, what is uh, what's number three for you? Oh, uh, let's see. So number three for me had been Life Force. So I may need to. Oh, cool. Let's say I may need to skip to number four on my list. Okay, so uh, and this is one where I this is this was like the movie where I realized oh seeing the Canon Films logo at the start of something is a seal of quality for me. Yeah. Uh, is uh, Ninja Three the domination? <laughs> so uh, so not enter not enter the ninja, not Revenge of the Ninja, the third one. No, no, no. Uh, so uh, locally in Boston, we have so in, again. I grew up in Mystery Science Theater in Boston. We have a local bad movie night at one of the the rep theaters called Trash Night. Mm-hmm. And Trash Night specialty is they they pick, they don't pick the the bad movies everybody knows about because because everybody knows about them. They also don't pick like all of the ones that are just straight up bad. They just kind of pick that that kind of warm gray center where you have just just sort of the sort of like early 90s, late 80s action movie that you'd find on like a TBS at like 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Yes. And then what they'll do is, is instead of commercial breaks is they will they will cut in other VHS things that they've cut together themselves. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's delightful. It is one of my favorite Tuesdays of the month. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, but anyways, one of the one of the canon films they've shown there was Ninja Three: The Do- The Domination, mm-hmm. uh, where it's canon just trying to figure out, okay, how do we top ourselves without needing to spend a ton of money? And they decide on what if the ninja was a woman this time, <laughs> and wasn't, and yeah, not just a woman. You have a a telephone line woman and aerobics instructor because you can't just be one of those things. No, 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 of course. And then she gets possessed by the spirit of a fallen ninja. <laughs> So it's great because then you then you can have both a ninja movie and a de- and a de- demonic possession movie. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Uh, yeah. So um, the, yeah, it 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 works out perfectly. Um, the ADR in this is incredible. Um, like just the 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 noise of the fights and the um the sort of incidental noises that people have to make when they're pretending to be hit. Um, it's so. This is bad. Yes. Um, not all of these films are like actively bad. Like I said, some of these are like they're well made. They just know they're they're schlocky. Like this is bad. Mm-hmm. It's a bad film. Yes. Um, and it's very entertaining. <laughs> yes, it's it's like like I am more than willing to sit through a bad movie as long as I'm being entertained. Yeah. Yeah. And just be absolutely. like, oh man, this is this is not great. And like, especially with a lot of their output in like the early eighties when they're, when they're just actively making schlock is like, a lot of it is just bad and has not aged well. I mean, they did, I I guess, get the jump on karate kid three by a few years. Yeah. Uh, by, by going for the (laughs) female martial artist, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and like one thing I had forgotten until recently, uh, just because uh, the mystery, the mystery science theater is currently doing a live tour across the States right now. And the movie that they're showing with it 
is like just some generic like early mid 80s karate movie that has Jean-Claude Van Damme in his first role. And I had forgotten just how high a volume of not great karate movies we had pumped out around then because it's a lot. I'm pretty sure my brother watched all of them. Yeah. Yeah, like that that was that was very much that that was his thing. Um his he him he won't thank me for for telling you this. Uh but him and his friend invented their own martial art. Um, I can't. I won't embarrass him by because he's he's quite an important person now. I won't embarrass him by trying to remember the name of it, but it was a combination of both of their names. Uh, and that, yeah, they were developing their own martial arts style because they just they love that world so much. Oh yeah, well, and like this one, which again, this one I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, no fear, no surrender is the name of the movie, and it's clearly came out. It clearly came out after the Karate Kid mm-hmm. and clearly came out after when Breakin' had happened because there is a breakdancing scene in the movie, but breakdancing does not feature into the fighting at the end of it. <laughs> like, I, I was, I, I saw that, I saw the, the breakdancing scene in Act 1 and I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. Uh, it didn't happen, thankfully, because... Well, uh, you know, like... They, well, they, they also didn't resolve like seven different plot lines that they introduced, but that's... <laughs> that's just a, ge- that's just like a general mid-80s karate movie for you it, that that's basically um chekhov's breakdancing in that if you introduce a breakdance scene in act one um then there has to be a dance-off in act two basically yes and and they didn't they didn't fulfill that they did not fulfill that but they did have a terrible person that they said was the spirit of bruce lee show up so oh cool yeah you win some you lose some yeah yeah, yeah it's fine but but it look it looks nothing like him uh but then like went home and did did googling and was like oh he was like one of his stand-ins though okay all right yeah it, it counts i guess um all right that's that's great uh next up then i'm going for runaway train okay yes mm. Mm. 1985 action thriller starring John Voight, uh, based on uh, an Akira Kuros- uh, Kur- Kurosawa. There we go. I'll try that again. Based on an Akira. <laughs> no, uh, it's him. Um, uh, you know who I'm talking about. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a film that never got off the ground. Um, and it's uh, two prisoners uh, uh, escape, um, and um, they then end up embarking on a, a freezing cold journey where they find uh, a train and they stow away. And uh, the engineer dies of a heart attack, uh, leaving uh, a, a solitary um, female railway wo- railway worker. Uh, the fugitives um, make their way to the engine room uh, to, uh, well, ma- mainly it's the, the, the your hero who does that to try and hit the kill switch and kill the engine. And meanwhile, everybody's trying to figure out like back at sort of uh train control uh diverting the train and stuff and and also uh the prison the assistant prison warden is out trying to recapture the fugitives and in the end rather than um be recaptured um the uh, john voigt's character detaches the engine head uh, from the rest of the train uh and jumps up at the at the top of the train and basically just dies there because uh and leaving everybody else to to head back to safety will be recaptured um because he doesn't want to go back to prison so he uh, he kills himself and uh that's a theme um so uh runaway train runaway train yeah like this is this is one where i feel like if like at this point canon had a reputation mm. and i think if another studio had had their name on this film we would still be talking about it because it's a very good action movie yeah absolutely it's it's a it's a solid premise um and uh, you know you, you've got to wonder whether things like unstoppable have have borrowed you know even speed to a degree like you take this sort of unstoppable machine uh and then you you mix in the, the prison element the sort of nothing left to lose like it's all it's the the all the ingredients are there mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, and I think a lot of if you look at like a lot of action movies, like they are they are borrowing and just adapting things that Canon did because they could and they were cheap and they wanted to pump out 50 movies and they just wanted these beautiful images. Well, beautiful feels like the wrong word there. They wanted they wanted these big, flashy, kind of over the top visuals because they could stick that in a trailer for three seconds and get you to come see the movie. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is amazing. Uh, I've, I've watched a lot of trailers for these, and it is um, a lot of trailers were very long and very detailed and very uh, full sentences that told you exactly what was going to happen in this film. This person will punch another guy, and then he'll rob a train, and then he'll like. It's really descriptive, uh, and I kind of, I kind of miss that. And um, yeah, we should, we should bring it back. I think part of that is that uh, there there's a great documentary that came out, I think, like five years ago about Canon called Electric Boogaloo, appropriately. Uh, and they talk about how what like the main way that they made their movies is they would go to con and they would just have like a big book full of essentially a poster who they had, who they either had lined up to star, or who they hoped to have star in it and like like a very quick log line. And like they would sell the foreign rights. They would get just enough money to make it. Then they would sit down, and go, OK, crap, we need a script. <laughs> yeah my my dad has this um theory and i think i think it's um it's it's very wrong but he he decided that this was uh, to use a for want of a better word he decided this was canon uh and and it, he had this thing that the pet shop boys would make their music by getting their casio keyboard and pressing one of the demo buttons and writing a song around it and and like he was being partially sarcastic but there's also a big part of of him that sort of I was pretty convinced that that was how they made uh, their music. And I kind of like, like the, these guys have sold the film before they've made, made it. And then they're, they're, yeah, on, on the, as they're getting a drink on the, on the plane home, they're like, shit, we've got to figure out how to actually oh, yeah, make no, like this they, thing. Yeah. Now. Like they would absolutely sell a movie based on the poster. Yeah. Oh man. Um, it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's failing upwards. There's like, there's, there's so much of just black culture. Like it's all that's B L A G. Um, that's it's, oh, it's, it's such a story to be told. And I'll, I'll have to watch the, um, I have to watch the documentary because I think it is a, it's a fascinating, um, fascinating time. Uh, okay, so I've got Runaway Train. What's, uh, what's next on your list? I think it's number five. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it will be number five on my list. Yeah, I had like a short list of like twenty movies. And I was sitting down last night and trying to go, okay, which of these are the ones that are that are that I think are sort of emblematic of their work? Because I have I have a few that like miss the list where they are near and dear to my heart. But I'm just like, no, no, that one is actually bad, and you just like it for weird reasons, and you need to not <laughs> put it on like the actual list of five. But uh, one that I think, just like one of the things they did and they did very well is with their action movies. Just sort of finding these stars who are like, because this one, because they, they have like, a, like, they are the reason that Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris to us. They are the reason we have Chuck Norris jokes. Mm. Because Chuck Norris, just talking about those karate movies, would be doing like a bunch of martial arts films. But they are, but with canon, he actually switched into like a full martial art, not, sorry, into a full action star, mm -hmm. for better or worse. And like the one that I have on my list, just because the visuals are great and like the they are actually destroying things uh is invasion usa oh wow i i've heard of this but i don't think i've ever seen it or it didn't come up in in my research okay so please tell me about it okay this one is sort of so they had chuck norris do a few movies where he was like the the mercenary abroad or in like the philippines this brings it back to to the u.s where like a it's like in like roughly like Georgia slash Miami area, 
and like the terrorists are here, which was just like, which is, which was like the start of that, just sort of as a thought in America. Mm. Weirdly enough, just the idea of terrorists invading here in like the mid 80s kind of gets traced back to these movies. But there's just some great destruction scenes because they essentially had access to an entire neighborhood and a shopping mall in the Atlanta area that they needed <laughs> to tear down to build a new runway for the airport. Oh, wow. So they are actually destroying a shopping mall. They are actually bombing houses. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And again, you just have Chuck Norris like in his prime as as like hero man. Uh, I Yeah, I um, I've only watched fully, I think, one chuck norris film and um i can't remember what it was and it was because it was on some schlock film podcast uh it's 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 very much not my speed um but i i yeah i i have heard of this and i watched uh the trailer for the delta force that one almost made my list but i i, I lean towards this one just for the sheer explosions yeah absolutely um it's yeah it's I I get it. Um, I, I I get the appeal, but again, like I'm a boy. I I like some boy things, but I don't like that many boy things. And this is like proper. Like this is what boys like. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it, <laughs> like I can only do like one of these like Chuck Norris films every so often because like it it fills yes. me up. I'm just like I'm good. I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I, I yeah, I I don't need that much testosterone coursing around my system. I'm fine. Exactly. Uh, oh God, God bless you, Chuck. Um, I I I do as much as I'm not that. First about Chuck Norris, I do enjoy the Chuck Norris meme. Uh, the the, mm-hmm. the meme that is Chuck Norris, I think, is is marvelous. Um, there is also a something that surpassed that. When when I got really into Twenty Four, um, I found that there is a section of the internet that is like they've got their version of the Chuck Norris jokes, but their thing is Chuck Norris ain't shit. It's all about Jack Bauer, and so they're sort of part of what a lot of the jokes are are one upping um, Chuck Norris. Which which is which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, my final, or my, well, my 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 final for the sort of main list, um, and I think we're mostly off the so bad it's good kind of list, um, and I, possibly with one exception. But this is Barfly, okay, which is a nineteen eighty seven sort of comedy drama, um, and it's a semi autobiographical. A biographical film uh, which is based on the life of uh, Charles Bukowski and I was drawn to this because I know someone who is basically the the main character in this film and and I, I really identified with a lot of this actually um in in my in my findings my research so you got um Henry, Henry Chinaski which is this character loosely based on um on the author um and played by Mickey Rourke uh is a sort of smart guy but he's um big big old uh, big big time drinker big alcoholic um and uh, but he, he he's a good writer and he's a, a smart guy so he he writes his thoughts and observations and and things and um puts them into poems and, and short stories which he sells basically for for drinking money and he meets a woman in a bar uh who he then cheats on with a publisher that he meets um who hires a pi in order to try and track him down because she really likes his his work and wants to try and help him he eventually uh leaves uh, leaves his woman goes back to his uh, original life uh and then there's a, a number of fights ensue between uh, the two women that were his loves and then he goes and um try and has a, a fight with the bartender who he's got a weird rivalry with and then the film ends and then credits um so uh it's kind of nihilistic and and bleak 
Um, but there's something in that kind of character that like having sat and drunk with someone that's like that uh, and spent a lot of my time around someone who's like this and kind of romanticizes that. I was, I was kind of drawn to drawn to the film in that in that sense. OK, well, yeah, that feels like a very different side of canon is just distributor because they 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 build their reputation on just this volume of of just sort of big images usually usually in like sci-fi or action domains where you can do that and yeah but yeah they were also doing these smaller things here and there yeah and there's there's another one which is much further down my list uh which is called uh love streams um which is a 1984 one um and that's a, a similar sort of very quiet film it's a, almost a a kitchen sink drama which is it's odd that it that it's um, part of part of the the canon offering, but it's, well, yeah, it's um, just so subtle for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then in the middle, sandwiched in the middle, as a sort of uh, that I've got as a kind of honourable mention is um, Street Smart. Okay, don't know if you're aware of that one, which is uh, 1987, and uh, it's a sort of a crimey action thrillery thing, and it's got Christopher Reeve and Morgan Freeman. In a very in a in an early role for him, um, and it's it's all about prostitution and and uh, Reeve plays a journalist and um, uh, Morgan plays the pimp, but he's like he's a great actor, but he's not convincing as a pimp because he's kind of he's Morgan Freeman, and so he's it's it's a young Morgan Freeman as a pimp, and it's just like no, because you you could probably put yourself through college, mate, because <laughs> you're mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, uh, but it, yeah, it looked quite good. So uh, yes, but my yeah, my my final one on on that list is uh, is Barfly. I think actually worth worth an unironic um, watch. Mm-hmm. Well, these are our individual picks, and uh, shortly we we'll, we will be combining them into one master list. Um, so uh, so stick around for that. But before we get into that, I hope you've had a nice Christmas. Uh, I've had a, a, a nice little break there, um, and uh, getting uh, back into the swing of uh, of producing new episodes every week for you. Uh, got some lovely ones coming up actually. Um, I'm really uh, really excited about uh, about some of them. Um, we uh, we are ranging from the interesting to the really silly to the really interesting again. Um, so uh, so uh, stay uh, stay subscribed, and if you're not. Um, one thing I would recommend is checking out the uh, the newsletter, uh, which you will find uh, linked in the episode notes, um, and also at pcast.link slash n-e, oh, no, I was close, uh, l-e-n-l, pcast.link slash l-e-n-l, that stands for List Envy newsletter um so yes uh, go sign up for the newsletter because uh, every week i will uh, email you some extra bits that you don't get in the podcast uh, as well as a link to the episode so you will never miss it um and uh, before we we go back into this episode and uh, and finish our lists uh, obviously i want to say um big thanks to uh, to ben um obviously i edited it uh, edited it out um but we kept getting interrupted uh on, on that recording by uh, the doorbell going and uh, it turned out that that particular day i had something like three different deliveries that all turned up at the same time um and and so uh, i want to thank ben for his uh, for his patience uh it was a a really fun record anyway um but also uh, while i'm in thanking mood while i'm giving thanks um i also want to give thanks to uh, george chachanidze uh, jen tierney and brendan hutchins who are names um that may already be familiar to you uh, but also uh, the the reason i want to thank them is um they are uh, the most recent supporters of our uh, uh, of my uh, little um paid membership scheme uh, and with uh, me- membership has its benefits uh, though that being uh, you get extra stuff in your uh, in your podcast feed you get a, a, a secret little feed uh, that um, only you get 
that has extra stuff that um, everybody else doesn't, uh, and and it only costs like a uh, buck fifty a month or something like that. It's 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 very inexpensive, um, and uh, you can find all of the information about that at pod.fan slash list envy. I don't go, uh, I don't talk about it too much uh, anymore, um, just because I don't want to clutter up the episode. Um, so yeah, and I, I, you know, I want, I want, I want you on the newsletter because that's where the fun is happening. Uh, so uh, go and uh, do that as well. So yes, uh, pcast.link slash l e n l. I think that's quite enough calls to action for now. Um, let's get back into this episode uh, with uh, with Ben. Smith and myself, um, concluding uh, and combining our lists of top five canon films. So now we've got the difficult task, I, I would normally say, of, of putting this this kind of final list together. But I think we've got some really good crossover points here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the putting the the final list together is going to be quite quick and easy. And I've I've got a um, a draft which I'll put to in a bit. But before we get to that, um, you are the co-host of the Euro What podcast. And uh, we've yes. also had uh, Mike on there uh, on, on this podcast. Uh, we talked about Eurovision. Um, he, he sort of nabbed that particular list. Um, so why don't you, um, why don't you tell us about um, you and what you're up to and where people can find your work? Okay, yeah. So uh, again, uh, Mike and I do a podcast right now. It's every other week. Once things are fully uh, in swing in January, we will be back to a weekly format. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of fun. And then elsewhere, uh, I can be found on Twitter at Ben M. Smith, where you do need that M. There's a lot of Ben Smiths out there on the internet, it turns out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's Ben mm-hmm. M. Is in my God. Canon films are terrible, Smith. <laughs> I yeah, I um, I like the idea that you you've you've possibly got a um a rehearsed the the M could be something different. It, it, it's a context aware middle initial, and I uh, I like I like that sense. Um, wonderful. So yes, a uh, link to uh, to everything you do is of course in uh, in the episode notes. So this is my this is my proposition for our final list. I would like to um get get your take on it. Okay. I think at number five, we go for Invasion USA. Okay. At number four, Life Force. Number three is Ninja 3, The Domination. Number two, The Apple. And number one, Breaking. And that's based on sort of our mutual choices of things, but also you really made a good case for The Apple. Um, have you got any thoughts on that? Is there something that, that needs to be jiggled around? Is there something I've missed? Um. That matches my list almost exactly, except I have the <laughs> the Apple number one because the Apple yeah. is just like just has has personal resonance for me as as like a bad movie that sort of kicked me off into like a whole producer of bad movies. <laughs> um, and also just the more that I dive into Canon's stuff, the more I'm amazed at how much they sort of telegraphed how much they they were going to do mm. in the, in the next decade in this one terrible movie they made in 1979 for no money <laughs> they uh yeah they uh, they shaped decade and uh, mm-hmm. and possibly um fil- film history uh in a in a sort of small and strange way um so um ben smith do, or ben m smith um do you uh, do you consent to this list uh yeah i, I think i do there's so much more that that I want to discover now with 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 these films. I just wish they were slightly easier to uh, to get hold of. Um, I mean, I, I a... have a few. I have a few recommendations, and I know at mm. least one of them. At least one, if not both, are available. I guess on U.S. streaming, which maybe doesn't help you, but you know that it might be worth checking your your Amazon and your Netflix. Yeah. Uh, what have you got? So the one the one that I almost stuck at number five, and then realized no. No, uh, was is is this, and I know that this one's still on Amazon Prime streaming right now. Is Rockula okay? Which is 
which this is which with a title like that uh <laughs> uh let, let me entice you more uh so this Please. one is it's towards the end of their output it got released in like 1990 uh it is a story of a a vampire who is also a virgin uh who every 22 years has to repeat the same cycle of finding the same girl uh, and then she gets taken out in the same way just by just a just sort of like a past life thing of like she's always taken out on Halloween night by a pirate wielding a <laughs> ham bone. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and for reasons that the movie does not explain, uh, it also stars Tony Basil from Mickey fame. Right. Uh, it has Thomas Dolby. Oh, wow. As the bad guy. <laughs> uh, it has Bo Diddley wearing a B costume in a very 90s rap number. <laughs> Oh my god! This sounds like a fever dream. Uh, it like honestly, it, it really comes off as like a fever dream. Yeah, like it, like it is. It's inexplicable. It's a musical, and the music is largely not sung by people who should be singing. <laughs> Always a good sign. Okay, mm-hmm. very good. And like it's ninety minutes. Like it's it's yep. it's in. It's out. It's done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's what you want. Um, no, no, hanging around. Good. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Uh, is there anything else? Yes. Uh, on the Netflix side of things, I think they still have Masters of the Universe. Okay. Which which is great. It was it was it was uh, oh, I just said Apple, uh, which is Canon, uh, kind of branching out and trying to to work with like a toy manufacturer and and pick a title that has th- this was them trying to go big, and it failed. But it has Dolph Lundgren who. Uh, do you know Dolph Lundgren's origin story? I do not. Where he was like a he was a grad student at MIT. Okay, Wh- uh, what? And he was a grad student at MIT, and Grace Jones like you, you're my bodyguard. Wow. That is that is the short version, but that's most of it. So it's him as as He Man, and then it has Frank Langella as Skeletor, just having the time of his life <laughs> and just chewing the scenery yes. as much as you possibly can. It's delightful. Oh, wonderful. Um. Well, I think my Netflix Netflix queue is about to get bigger, and my uh, my 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 next few weekends are probably taken. Um, it's a shame that I don't have any booze in the house because it feels like uh, you, you you might need a couple just to help, just to mm-hmm. sort of help you know ease just, you just in, just ease it in there. Yeah, yeah, just a little ramp. Uh, that's all it needs. Um, well, Ben, this has been so much fun. Thank you very much uh, for for joining me on uh, on List Envy. Absolutely. <laughs>